I think it is a way of thinking. It is a way of life, probably right. to really look at it. So, in design thinking, what we do is we don't look at problems as problems. We look okay. at problem statements into something that we call as opportunity spaces. It's all reframing. A lot of self-help gurus, new age gurus, science, and uh, you know, research. Everything tells the same thing. It's mm-hmm. about that constant conversation that you have with yourself, and you can have that only when you're aware of what's happening with you, unattached. In today's episode, we will discuss what did Uday learn from his precarious entrepreneurial journey. What did he do to apply design thinking to recover from his chronic illness? And finally, what keeps this multi-passionate innovator designer inspired? We all learn a great deal from those who show relentless courage to play their game, make their share of mistakes, and show up no matter what. Uday's unwavering thirst to solve problems and create a lasting impact. is commendable he will join us on the other side of this short break stay tuned how many times have you motivated yourself to improve your sleep or lose weight or be more productive how many times have you failed hi my name is ashtin doctor tune into my show the habit coach podcast where we focus on creating small tiny habits to improve your life instead of those big impossible tasks So make listening to me a habit every Monday, Wednesday and Friday on the IVM podcast app or ivmpodcast.com or on your favorite podcasting app. I'm so excited to have Uday as our guest today. Uday, I have been following your work for some time right now and every time I look at, you know, the design human impact kind of conversation that people have people talk about it but the results do not match and what is fascinating is your journey as an entrepreneur your journey as an executive your journey as as this constant learning individual who has been questioning norms and and fighting norms in a way that is fascinating so please tell me before we begin and start discussing design i want to know more about your entrepreneurial journey or your venture where did you start that and what was the idea behind So I, I think I've always had this entrepreneurial bent in mind from a very early age, without even knowing that there was a word called entrepreneurship, if you will. Okay. I've been doing odds and odds and ends, not just from a commercial or a transactional uh, angle, but yeah, I used to do a lot of things, okay. uh, create things and exchange things, and you know, I think. But I always felt that it's always nice to have a dream and chase it too. But then, yeah, classic, typical, you know, middle class family. You have an upbringing. You get a good academics and good as relative again. You again, you know, find a job and all that. But I think I was lucky to have parents who supported every whims and fancy of mine. Given that both of them do not come from the background of that, you know, I've been making a living for the last twenty-three years and counting. So yeah. I think I'm blessed. They gave me everything that I asked for, and uh, I got plugged into the industry at a very early age. I have dabbled with all forms of design. Right. probably i think it took a significant amount of time even before i said okay i have been part of many many successful companies so one of the things is almost almost all of the companies that i had worked for have gone public have been acquired one or two of them actually went bust also but but i think most of them got acquired most of them got 
you know, M and A's. A lot of interesting stuff happened. I think ten, twelve years into it, or probably a little more, suddenly this you know buzz happened. Right? I mean, okay. another friend of mine was like, I mean, we've been building, we have done so many things together. We've been part of such successful stories. Why don't we do something on our own? I mean, what what to do, what not to do, was a big question mark. But yeah, that set the ball in motion. And like I keep saying, I used to jot down a lot of ideas from the get go, whether it gets yeah, you know to see the light at the end of the tunnel or not. I have this maybe that's my idea journal, if you will. Okay. And then I think everything clicked. I think me and another very close friend of mine, we have worked together in multiple places. We took a deep dive. We did a startup for transactional security, and then yeah, I mean. Completely bootstrapped. Which year was it when you? This was 2000. I mean, we've been boiling this idea and percolating this, brewing this idea for quite a while from 2005, 2006. But I think we actually went and took the deep dive in end 2007, early 2008. Okay. Surprisingly, I was. I mean, you know, I think somewhat sometimes the best of things come in pairs. I was actually part of two startups at the same time, and uh, I think we did we did quite well on both. But the technology one actually took a lot of time. It was completely bootstrapped. I think all the money, name, fame, glory that we had went into it, and then we had given ourselves some time. I mean, if you don't scale, and we shut, we pulled the wire, and we actually went to that extent. We actually pulled the wire. Company. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we did everything, and we were we had like three different pilot engagements. We had to hire that next team, put them on a plane. Right. One was in India, and a couple of them was in the US. So we ran ran out of money. So it was a catch twenty two situation. But yeah. Then I mean, being for all purposes of you know being practical, we did have alternate avenues of you know going for a soft loan or going through the bank, and you know then all this uh, you know song and dance in India, right? Give me a collateral, give me this, give me that, and all that. So we didn't want to really do that, but we said we were way ahead of our times. We said something or the other will happen. If not for us, maybe the next generation will end up enjoying some fruits of our labor. So I'm going to pause you here. So from idea to to really start a business, and as you keep mentioning, it it was a company of two people, where yes. investors and other people kept on questioning your ability to expand and grow. And tell us about what were the challenges when two people just believe in an idea and jump in. What exactly goes through? What all happens? You know, people, our listeners might be considering starting a business, especially in this scenario where. you know jobs are under threat and people are struggling so what things people should keep in mind what could be your suggestions for somebody who's considering that very loaded question but very interesting question i mean tomes have been written right and then there's always i mean these tomes can be you know completely segmented into those who have achieved big yes. time stuff sure. you have a billion dollars uh, you know backing you and whatever you say is actually carved in stone yes and then you for every success story you have at least 99 which is actually in the startup exactly. graveyard And I think it's really important to hear from somebody who has gone through the grind and has seen think, the side of the story. Yeah, I think I think that's where the learning is. Uh, I wouldn't say humility because again, I, I I've been hearing and I've been seeing in the last few years that the word humility also has been given a lot of uh, bashing up, saying you know I would rephrase and simply say being grounded, okay. being knowing what is uh, possible, what is doable, and what is like you know wishy washy types. But yeah, I think for us, it's not that the two of us just said let's go and change the world. Yes, in hindsight, probably we also had that uh, bias, if you will. Mm-hmm. But we come from strong technology and design backgrounds, and having built real enterprise class uh, products and platforms, which we are bought and sold eventually, and, and we also had our share of success. Not that we are denying that. Then we said we are ready. We know that I won't call the call it a game again, negative connotation. We know to play the sport, right. if you will. Right. Then how do you qualify and quantify an idea? I mean, you could do so many things. Exactly. So we figured out that banking. 
uh, as in those days was really emerging in India. And, and we have, I mean, not many people knew that back then we had the largest debit card market and second largest credit card market in the planet. I'm talking 2007, 2008. Not many people knew this. Okay. And, so, and, and because banking was highly regulated in India, most of the top banks were state run. Mm. Banks were re- insanely rich. But we were on the cusp of moving to the next level of technology and all that. To make it simpler and to understand, so any transaction that we do today has to mm-hmm. go through some security process. So you almost foresee the requirement of that security process when the transaction will become like this. Like today, everything for us is, is online payment. We figure our ways around it. So you guys, both of you thought about it back in 2007 and thought, how can we make it secure? Yes. So the current day OTPs and the second factor thing that you do was very right. nascent back then. Okay. And we figured out it was there in existence. You know, we didn't discover that. We didn't okay. invent that. But we figured out more robust ways of securing transactions. Right. Yeah. So okay. I think I think when we started talking to banks, everybody liked us. I mean, we've had audiences with, you know, the chairmen of banks, the CEOs of banks. We had a network. Somehow we connected and all of that. But net-net, no bank worth its salt was willing to risk its entire core banking system. Of course. This is uh, two guys sitting in Bangalore. So sure. that was a very, very profound learning for us. But yeah, we had signed up with a lot of technology partners. Interestingly, I think top three of the top five core banking systems those days, back in the day, were actually, you know, from India. Wow. So we so we had we had those leeways, we had all of that stuff, but unfortunately it was a double whammy. We could mm-hmm. neither convince banks to take a risk on us. Mm-hmm. On the other side, it was chicken and egg. Almost most of the VC firms back here were like, get a pilot. Just get one proof of concept, then I'll give you money. Our thing was, I don't need money once I do a pilot because my pilot is going to be paid. But we persisted. I think we had we had that blind faith and we kept tunneling on, right. burning the money that we had. And we eventually got three pilot offers. Hmm. And that's when we completely lost, went out of steam. In fact, we had a team willing to, you know, join, take the deep dive with us to go without salary for six months, eight months. And we, everybody was ready. But, we, we, but but something happened. I mean, maybe in, in hindsight, maybe whatever happened, happened for good, probably, you know. Maybe we didn't build a billion dollar company, but we built a lot of stuff. And So there I was looking at your handwriting. All right. When I was uh, going through some handwriting strokes to understand how will I try and understand the mind of someone who is very creative, very solution oriented what could be the probable insights or challenges i can see here so one of the things that stood out for me when when i looked at your writing one was your very very strong willpower to see through a process now what do i mean by willpower so when you set out for a project when you set out for an idea you put your entire heart and soul into the process which matters to you a lot and if you cannot do it uh, you don't feel happy about it. You, you don't understand only doing practical, required. That's not living on the edge for you. So every choice that you have made that you are proud of is done when you are on the edge to do it. And that's how you live life. That's how you enjoy life. Now, that is very interesting because as an entrepreneur, uh, when you have a passionate idea that you drive, that could become an emotional journey. So... My question to you is, how did you deal with your emotions while going through kind of challenges that you did? What was the other side that people are unaware of? Okay, so yeah, great question. I think I did undergo the churns almost on a daily basis. Initially, it was all glorious. It was in Eastman color. We're sitting on some earth, you know, earth shattering. 
human right. you know, humanity changing stuff and i think the first few couple of years was great and slowly you know we were sitting on some real big thing everybody validated i think somewhere down the line when we were ready to let the cat out of the bag that's when the reality with capital r hit us hard mm-hmm. maybe in retrospect we could have you know prepared ourselves better but you don't know what's coming till you start walking taking the less untrodden path right so value propositions is all about not just putting your skin in the game but also putting money in the game that tells you how compelling the value proposition is and to what extent you can go you're willing to risk it all i tell people that it looks very glamorous mm. uh, all the good stories look very glamorous but you will actually end up working two times three times the work that you would probably work if you were pursuing a good or a great career if you will with any of the brands that you basically love uh, being associated with ground yes. realities are different you have to be in it for the long haul friends will come friends will go family comes family goes i i know of uh, broken families i've heard a lot of stories entrepreneurs going through personal journeys because yes yes they yes. worked yes so it's a, it's a very uh, you know great learning experience but it's not for all so it's not for all it's very important for people to understand because many times the whole idea of passion can be blinding and when we think about only the results which would be great in the future people forget that it requires this grit and this commitment to go through the grind right so we we heard about the glorious parts which were the vulnerable parts you know i i keep asking this question to every guest especially to highlight that success comes with its own challenges and no matter how much you grow or what level you reach in your growth there is always this part of you that is vulnerable that is uh, operating from its own challenges so right. was it something that that was really moving or how did you deal with your failures on the way very interesting question i think one of your uh, one of your lighthouses or north stars is north star if you will that keeps you grounded is the commitment that you have uh, you know in your social right. life be it friends or family or if you are in your you are married you have a spouse you have kids you have extended family you are responsible for them one of the things i mean you can call it vulnerable or what one of the things i kept telling myself was no matter what risk i take no matter what you know corners i cut i will never ever allow the lifestyle that my family was used to uh, yeah. you know suffer I, what i learned was you know if you chase money you won't chase, you won't get anything but if you chase success money invariably follows so this line is so important yeah so you actually chase the, the idea that you believe in the money will eventually follow yes and, and i think you should have that uh, intuition or self awareness mm-hmm. if you will and the you know people call it head strongness but i call it being you know precise about what you want and what you don't want in life to make course right. corrections maybe this idea is great maybe this idea is great maybe 10 years down the line maybe the market is small uh, maybe you know it is your hobby and passion and not an entrepreneurial commercial engagement a lot many vectors that will come and 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 there is no set formula for this every idea i mean be it your friendly you know laundry guy who comes to your street and you know irons your clothes and he or she he also is an entrepreneur maybe you know people who started billion dollar unicorns and what not are also entrepreneurs but i think it is a very unique experience but you need to have a huge heart and you need to have a very larger Uh, depth and breadth of bravery but measured bravery design again dovetailing into my you know bread if not butter design mm-hmm. is like surgery right i mean right. and in the day you stop wielding your scalpel you lose touch it's craft that's so true would, that's and yeah, a practicing one so you yeah. have to be in the process of thinking like that true absolutely and like yeah. i said if you keep doing what you're doing you'll probably keep getting what you're getting but if you do if you do something really 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 through passion 
mm-hmm. think the rest of them, it's like the, think of, the analogy is think of a Rubik's cube that automatically sorts itself and all the six sides are done. You just focus <laughs> on that you do. Yeah, I mean, but but a lot many people maybe who are hearing this may think that okay, it's easier said than done. But trust me, I've been there many times, and I think it happens. You have to believe in magic. I mean, if you don't believe, it's not magic anyway. So, uh, yeah, my reason to get back to work is not because I really really need a paycheck. I'd be lying if I don't need a paycheck. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. but I think I think it is it is more about honing the craft and learning a lot of stuff. And irrespective of twenty three years, I was never part of a studio as an insider. So one of the core reasons that fascinated me in joining my current employer was that, you know, I want to be part and parcel of a studio that does cutting edge, amazing work, hmm. uh, impactful work. And I think I was lucky uh, again. Again, I think it was synchronicity at work. And then, you know, I got connected and, and here I am. So yeah, things happen. You just so, have to let go. <laughs> employer is this uh, massive giant called Wipro and you have done some amazing work across the globe to create employee experience. We're going to speak about this on the other side of the break. Uh, So do tune in and figure out, uh, learn more about Uday's journey on this topic and how he actually created, used design thinking or designing a human experience to create better lives for more than one eight. How many people is your, your organization? Uh, okay, my parent is like Wipro. Yes, Wipro is about 180,000 people and counting. I okay. think uh, the, 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 our wing called Designit, which is a strategic design agency, right. uh, was uh, you know acquired by Wipro in 2015, and we are about 500, 550 people spread across 17 cities in the globe. That's amazing. We will yeah. know more about this on the other side of the short break. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another great week on the IVM Podcast Network. If you're not following us on social media, please do. We're IVM Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Intel, for coming back to us. We love our sponsors. If you'd like to be one of them, do reach out. So really, really cool week on the network this week, right? Started off with a bang. Abhijit Ganguly was on Cyrus Says. Funny comedian. I think you guys will enjoy that. We had Dimant Parekh on Advertising His Dead. Dimant's the founder of Better India. Govindraj Athiraj is also on Uncle Please Sit this week. That's a really fascinating show, which they talk about fake news. On The Habit Coach, there was a crossover event with Aditi Surana from Absolutely Right. I think you definitely enjoyed that. And last but not least, definitely a show I'd love you all to check out. We have a new show called This Round is on Me. It's hosted by Gauri Devi Dayal. If you remember, Gauri and I worked on a show together called The Kolaba Cartel a while ago. Fun show. If you haven't checked that out, do check that out. But this is a show where she's talking to a lot of different people in the food space. Her first guest is Harsh Mariwala, legend in his own time. I think you really, really enjoy that show. With that, let me get you back to your show. So we are speaking with Uday and in today's conversation, we are learning about his journey as an entrepreneur, as a designer and how he recreated his life, restarted at some very, very interesting point. Welcome back, Uday. Thanks, Aditi. So in this part of our conversation, uh, let's talk about graphology and I have your handwriting in front of me. Uh, What questions would you like me to answer based on your writing? Is there something that you're thinking about right now or overall thought about your personality? I can assess your personality, thereby I can speak about different personality aspects based on the formation of your handwriting strokes. Yeah, great, great. I think I'm, I'm, I'm actually more curious. I mean, it is one of those, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm generally, I'm very curious about learning things, you know, trying to figure out what things are, but definitely that curiosity index is exponential right now because I didn't know what's going to come out. And, but yeah, I think, I think you don't do future projections. So that was, <laughs> yeah, that was, 
yeah i know i know but yeah i just tried my luck so but i, I know that you don't do that but i think i think i think yeah grapho i i do know of graphology uh, you know i think i, I do know of uh, things that wonderful things that yeah you know people accomplish and i, I also know that there's an equal amount of people you know basically asayers and naysayers but yeah but i'm i'm neither but i'm curious so when you're curious uh, you know anything and everything uh, works right so my question to you would be like i think i think you have analyzed it and and what are the top 3 words that come to your mind i mean i'm simplifying this i will tell you why i'm asking you this way because at some point in time i'll tell you that's exactly what we do day in and day out to solve problems at scale and it's as simple as that i mean design thinking may sound very glamorous and all of that it is it is very yeah. powerful but right. but i think but i think uh, yeah what are, i mean you gone through whatever you asked me to write and and, and yeah honestly i thought maybe i'll copy something a favorite stance or a poem or that but your instructions clearly said it has to be spontaneous Spontane- yeah so I, I wrote yes i wrote whatever i wrote after we spoke so yeah i think it, they say it's bad manners to answer a question with a question but i think i can i, I can <laughs> use the liberty to ask you back on you know what are the three things that came up to your mind when you saw my doodle my scribble or whatever yeah I'm so first thing that came to my mind is is your long term thinking so many times you have ideas which are so far fetched for you for other people that there are moments where you only don't believe them you wonder whether they will come true or not but the vision is so clear and the logic behind it is extremely you know possible in your mind extremely you know for you there is no question you just know that this is my my process and i will figure this out second thing that stood out for me is your strong will power which i already spoke about the third thing which most people who have worked with you would agree with me that many times you start the journey you're very very excited about it you solve those problems 50% and you are interested in finding the intellectual answer intellectual solution but that is done when it comes to mundane activities you're not very keen to to follow through these are my top 3 okay i i will i think i mean yeah almost precise i think on the third one yeah i wouldn't call it mundane but i think i think once once a certain thing gets done i think i i maybe i was always accused of being a perfectionist and took me a lot of time to figure out what do what do me people mean by being a perfectionist does it mean that striving to get do the best thing is perfectionist or you know i i would not call you a perfectionist to be very honest yeah yeah I, yeah i would say that you constantly strive excellence so perfectionism is a lot to do with not taking action because you really want to get that best yeah. shot to get the perfect answer i don't think you operate from that space but yes people do understand or misunderstand perfectionism for somebody who strives excellence in yes. your case you cannot put out something that you don't believe in completely so the conviction to do something with 100% Uh, authenticity matters to you and if you are not convinced it shows in your work in your on your face and then you are not available you're not there so you if you can't do the job the way you would like it or you can believe or take you know onus for you might as well not do it as your philosophy yes yes i think i think at uh, during my early stages yeah i i i used to be like my way or the highway types but i think as you progress and you learn more things and you have life experiences you also try to adapt and adopt both are slightly slightly different things but i think yeah but but uh, fundamentally i i believe in not just doing what is right but you know doing right things and doing what is right are two different things i strive yeah. to do something that really you know gives the value that we promise and and makes people happy and people come back to you i mean right so that that's something that i strive and i also believe very strongly in fundamentals 
if the if the building blocks are not there if your fundamentals are not right i don't think you can ever you know make anything concrete so i think that is something that has always been with me in anything that i do and maybe that's that's one of the things. and those uh, fundamental blocks are so clear that most people struggle to understand so you do suffer the problem that people misunderstand you first and when they get to know you when they get to understand where are you coming from Mm-hmm. then they are sold pretty much for a very long time if i may say lifetimes in that case but but that struggle that initial struggle of not understanding why are you so fixated why are you so stubborn about this fundamental blocks mm-hmm. can become a challenge according to me oh yeah, yeah your way of working with people or dealing with teams i i think i think maybe true i think i think that's why i, I believe in you know showing them the big picture Hmm. not everybody will get it right the first time at the same time i i call it uh, you know reaching the middle ground because otherwise it it's it's a deadlock right. and i I've, i've i've learned it over many many years it's, it's not that i had this gift of you know reading the room from the get go and you know saying things that matter and getting things that done but yeah, it has been a journey i'm still learning because not everybody is bound to look at things that you know from your perspective or your lens or your vantage point also one thing i'm going to say right now which only a few people are aware of and mm-hmm. i'm saying that because it's important to the the next part of my question to you mm-hmm. like as a person you are highly emotional mm-hmm. so you know like you are driven by logic as a person but you're highly emotional at the same time and what do i mean by that there's a conflict between emotional journeys and logical journeys that goes on and and it pulls you in both directions so the internal mm-hmm. battle the internal hassle if i may say is only available to you other people are not aware of it so what they see is this person trying to be really clear and at times stubborn on his point but they are not aware of the emotional engagement that you have with them or with the work or with the project now i am aware of the journey that you went through physically when you went through the surgery so i would like to to talk about this like how was it for you to recreate yourself after the surgery and tell us about what was the experience of almost walking into a dark part of the physical health oh absolutely uh, yeah i mean yeah brilliant question and thanks for giving me the opportunity because like you said there is this side of me that not many people know about it but yeah i mean since you're asking i thought maybe someday maybe somebody listens to this and he or she thinks that i'm not the only one who went through this or who i'm going through it and here is a guy who has gone through it i think that's some solace for them right yeah uh, I think I was this happy go lucky guy everything was fine typical you know you know fairy tale if you will I wouldn't be exaggerating everything was fine but yeah I always used to joke about all this uh, you know statements about life begins here life begins at 30 40 and you know blah 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 but I think I think whoever said life begins at 40 actually is absolutely true at least I will vote for that person <laughs> and it's really me okay yes and it is based on a true story and that true story is mine I think uh, in 2016 mm-hmm. uh, I uh, okay prior to 2016 maybe maybe late late 2010 and you know early 2000 the second second decade of 2000 right i used to get uh, a lot of acidity in terms of you know suddenly i'll feel that i'll, I'll feel pukish and, and and then you know i'll literally throw up for 30 40 times a day literally and and you know uh, and uh, yeah initially i said okay maybe too much of coffee when you do 10 12 cappuccinos and you know you you light up every at the at the drop of a minute I think acidity to acidity does happen, but yeah, I somehow managed, 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 and at some point in time, I really felt that my body is trying to tell me something, and I eventually went and met a doctor, 
I met a guy who actually underwent the same things that I underwent and he's like a pioneer today. And mm-hmm. his take was that maybe maybe you have this thing called acid reflux. Let's get you tested. And I underwent a battery of tests. Long story short, it turned out that I did not have acid reflux. Yeah. And uh, I went on with my life. Uh, over the next three, four years, these attacks did happen. But I think I had made peace with the fact. And, and I think every six months once or once in two, three quarters, I used to get these attacks and I used to manage. And I was like, you know, mastery types. Okay, I will, I will do this stuff. Hmm. But then 2016 was literally horrendous where I used to get this uh, issues almost every 10 days, 12 days, 15 days. Hmm. So the body was giving me some signals and the body was telling me something. And I was like, you know, probably, okay, let me wait, wait it out. Let me wait it out. And there was the first time in my life where I had to literally say that, take me to a hospital, literally. And I get rushed to the ER and then, you know, the rest is history. They put me under a battery of tests and all of that. I didn't know what was happening. And then finally, I remember it was a vivid evening. Uh, a very elderly gentleman walks into my, I was in the ICU, walks into my room and he says, I'm XYZ. Uh, looks like you have some one of the rarest of rare conditions and we need to talk about it, but not today. Uh, nothing to worry, not life-threatening, but let's talk tomorrow morning. And that was a, like a huge suspense. So the next morning happens, he meets me and he says, yeah, you know what, you have uh, some stones uh, in your pancreas. I was like, what? what? Do, do, people, do people ever get stones in their pancreas? I mean, it so happens that, yeah, people do, but it's very rare. Okay. And uh, yeah, I got myself admitted and my doctor simply came, comes into the room and says, you're going to get operated tomorrow. I'm like, are you telling me or asking me? <laughs> you're, you're like simply like, there's nothing to ask. I think you should get it done. Like mm-hmm. I said, otherwise you've got, you got to live with this whole issue coming up every second week or third week. And it's, it's, it can be literally, uh, you know, it will be a handicap. So again, the design thinker in me was like, okay, how long is this surgery going to you know, what does it look like? He's like at max two and a half, three hours. So my logic, my design thinking, so much for my design thinking logic or all the creative, <laughs> how much can happen in three hours, right? We all know when you have a family that's infested with doctors and surgeons and, you know, yeah. some of the best in the industry, you also tend to think you know a lot, but yeah, I was wrong. He said three hours and I said, okay, what can go wrong in three hours? And I agreed, signed the consent form, I was wheeled. And then it was an amazing story. It turns out that I was on the table for seven and a half hours. They did like four procedures in one go. And then when I was wheeled back to the ICU, my BP spiked up to 252, magic number. Uh, So they say it's a medical miracle. And, you know, family considers that I went to the deep end of the tunnel, if you will, and come back. And then the recuperation was a very profound experience. Doesn't matter who you are, what you've accomplished, name, fame, money, glory, all of that thing matters. But uh, there comes a time in your life when none of this matters. You actually have to introspect. And I was here, I was. I was I was like, you know, tubed across. I mean, I was tubed all over the place. I am going on record probably for the first time. Some of my families may get shocked about it. But hey, hey, you have to confess. You have to confess. <laughs> I, used to, I used to smoke like 40, 50 cigarettes a day for donkey's years. Okay. Okay. And uh, I think I think after this introspection, I figured out that I was still in one of the best hospitals being taken care of by some of the best doctors. In this, But yeah, the suffering that my family underwent was not worth it at all. So mm-hmm. the least I could do is not get into some things that will bring them back to this kind of turmoil. And I simply said, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I think, I think that's one of the, if somebody asked me what was the greatest achievement in life, probably I'll add this to my list that, you know. That you, you managed to recover and stop smoking one fine day. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, smoking seems to be an end result, but I think the mind is supremely capable of, you know, exponential things only if you apply it. Right. Then we constantly hear these concepts and people talk about 
how did they deal with this what exactly mm-hmm. happened now mm-hmm. if somebody might not be going through a health situation like this but if they're feeling that they're at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. or it could be financial it could be you know in a relationship whatever it could be mm-hmm. can you share some of your learnings while rediscovering yourself what exactly happened and how can someone learn from your your i'm sure you would have knowing you and also i know you a bit little bit personally so i would say that you would have broken it into some some solution formation so what what were your learning that we can learn from yeah absolutely yeah this is where this is where you know the essence of life intersects with this beautiful thing called design thinking it's a way of thinking it yeah. just happens that designers are known for doing this uh, you know advertently or inadvertently and now it has become a very grounded science yeah Which also- that you have a problem and when you want to find a solution you yes, don't go and you don't approach it in any haphazard manner you actually uh, walk in with a system in your mind and you approach it with all possible uh, things that you can consider if i if i'm simplifying it correctly yes yes i think i think you have answered your question but i still <laughs> i still accentuate you are absolutely right i think in our world yeah i think like today design thinking for all the you know bouquets and brickbats that it gets i think it is a way of thinking it is a way of life probably right. to really look at it i think it all begins with reframing i mean do you look at something as half full or you know half empty types right i mean i wouldn't use this you know famous uh, you know pessimist and optimist but i think it's perspective it's it's being about how self aware are you about what you're saying so so in design thinking what we do is we don't look at problems as problems we acknowledge problems of course i mean because mm-hmm. if there's no problem then there is no solution that needs to, to be discovered right but we rephrase we change everything we reframe we look okay. at problem statements into something that we call as opportunity spaces for example now a guy who is like pumping in like let's say 100 cigarettes a day he's looking at potential you know holes in the lung and literally holes in the place where lungs are mm. and that's the problem right i mean the problem but but if you really look at it reframing what can i do to go back to a state where my lungs are as healthy as how i was before i was a, you know when i was a kid or it's all reframing a lot of self help gurus new age gurus science and uh, you know research everything says this tells the same thing it's mm. about that constant conversation that you have with yourself and you can have that only when you're aware of what's happening with you unattached right. so in design thinking we take any problem and we break it down into you know atomic parts we call it first principles you okay. can take anything and actually you can break it down into its moving parts and then if you look at it and then that's where this whole thing of you know outside and view inside out perspective thinking outside of the box some people say there's no box yeah relatively <laughs> and then you connect the dots backwards you, know, you yeah. look at adjacencies you know maybe a healthcare solution can actually change an agritech business maybe maybe you know i mean i mean history is peppered with a lot of uh, correlations that you don't get to see before it clicks so mm-hmm. i think that is where i see a parallel between what i do for a living or what all we designers actually do for a living uh, which can be lifted and shifted and actually applied to life it's okay and life is not i mean trust me it is not going to be a bed of roses you will mm-hmm. be walking on on eggshells how do you walk on eggshells without cracking them any further is 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 what design thinking probably give you know allows you to do it and we call it how might we how might we change x and transform x into y and then there are no good answers bad answers wrong answers but it makes you think it makes you unload a lot of stuff that is trapped between your two years okay. and then you put pencil to paper or you put pen to whiteboard some magic happens and that cannot be articulated unless you experience for yourself 
How do you do that? How do you do that in design thinking? Because I, the problems are so overwhelming and people yes. cannot see beyond the problem. So how do you do that? So one of the most profound techniques that we use is called HMWs. How might we? You actually convert a problem statement into a probable solution we? stack. Simple. How might we change this whole notion of, you know, people resuming back to work in workplaces given that they come out of the new normal? Now, do we have an absolute answer today? We don't know, but a lot of people are working towards it. Do we get back right. to business as usual, like the pre-March shutdown days? Maybe yes, maybe no, but we don't know, right? So rather than looking at it as a problem, we look at potential mm-hmm. uh, mitigation areas and then, you know, that's what we call it as how might we. This is where a lot of things get unloaded. Uh, from you know minds and it is a group effort i mean you can solve your own problems individually but the power of design thinking from solving world problems and societal problems is basically the power of the crowd no right answers so no wrong answers people, so multiple people think about this together and you brainstorm basically what you're yes because perspectives matter and you don't know and here business history is peppered with this also you don't need any more proof that some of the best life-changing, earth-shattering uh, discoveries and inventions have come from corners that you never even existed. I mean, you look at look, look at Fortune 500, every single company is peppered with such anecdotes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right from, right from the invention of a post-it uh, to, you know, you know the, how the glue was an accidental discovery. So I think first is acknowledging that there are problems. Second is mm-hmm. believing that problems can be solved. And then right. the third one, the most important is acting upon it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. yeah, it's okay. You can identify a problem. You can you can say that there are six ways in which it could be solved, but it's not my problem to solve. So the fourth point after taking action, mm-hmm. uh, you have to make sure that the incentives are incentives are kept in mind so that yes. people keep on taking action. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's amazing. That's very very interesting. But the last question. Sure. What is one single quote or one single statement that has been your companion through your journeys which are very very dramatic and very drastic for most people to even fathom okay uh, it's not one it's a bunch of points that i lead life in a uh, day in and day out one is it's it's okay to make mistakes okay very uh, yes uh, and the corollary i mean a continuation of that is uh, you, you will not have answers to everything because most of the times you don't even know the question Number number three, I think this whole theory of fitting in is good to a certain extent. Yeah, that's why we are a civilized society and all of that. But the more you lead life towards wanting wanting to conform to what others think, say, feel and do about you, uh, you might as well not do anything. You just take orders and execute and be be a dependable person rather than a dynamic person. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last but not the least, uh, stay grounded and stay grounded. Have this unquenchable thirst, if you will. To know more things, not to prove to somebody else, but to prove to yourself or, or to you know absorb things. The power of knowledge uh, is that it cannot be stolen from you, right? So, so yeah, and and yeah, problems are problems, and and the final culmination of all of that that I've learned and I live that day in and day out is this too shall pass. <laughs> Everything mm-hmm. is transient in life, good, bad, ugly. The minute you detach and you start looking at it very neutrally, I think everything can be solved. Uh, yeah, so if, if somebody is going through a phase because of the lockdown or now the unlock yes. unlocking process and all the struggles I think all these things that you just said would be really really handy for them to think about thank you so much for for breaking this this whole idea of never giving up in your own story and always finding solutions no matter how tough it looks how complicated it is but figuring it out nevertheless thank you so much 
Yes, and I would take this opportunity to, you know, thank your team that has also, you know, being with you and, you know, through the thick and thin of it. And yes. yeah, I, my <laughs> my kudos to them. And yeah, I mean, I'm super happy to see this go live and I'll share this with all my people. And yeah, yeah, thanks. let's do more of this uh, yes, as we proceed forward. And thanks, congrats on this wonderful initiative that you're doing. And thank yeah, you. Thanks. Let me quote Albert Einstein here. He once said we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used to create them. Makes sense, isn't it? Most people feel trapped in situations not because the problems are complex, but mainly because they use their same old inefficient ways to solve their new complex problems. We all update our WhatsApp, Facebook, our phones, even other apps regularly. How about updating, redesigning or upgrading our problem-solving method or the way we make decisions? Let's talk about this on our Friday episode. We will break down Uday's design thinking approach and find what can we do to solve our problems in a different manner. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Absolutely Right. If you like this conversation, then please add a comment or review this podcast. Let me know what were your favorite parts of this conversation with Uday. As always, I'm keen to know what were your key takeaways from this conversation. To know more about how I use graphology and other effective coaching tools to enhance performance for organizations as well as individuals, you can visit my website aditisurana.com or follow me on my Instagram handle at aditisurana. If you like this podcast, then don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IBM network. You can listen to us on the IBM podcast app or ivmpodcast.com you can also follow us on our social media we are at ivm podcasts on twitter and instagram let's connect on friday till then happy writing hi my name is anupam gupta i'm b50 on twitter i am the host of paisa paisa the show that talks money On my show I speak to experts from every field of money and finance from stock markets equities debt funds credit cards life insurance every possible area of money and finance that you can think of we even did an episode on cryptocurrency I've got fantastic guests from mutual funds to personal finance experts everywhere robo advisory startups just name it we've got it at Pesabaza we help you make smart decisions about money you work hard for money Now make your money work hard for you. New episodes out every Monday and you can listen to my show on the IVM podcast app or any other podcasting app that you have. Paisa Paisa is brought to you by Paytm Money. Beta, did you know 79% of all scientists in NASA are Indian only? Dekho, India mein tax sirf middle class bharti hai. Everyone is just enjoying free yaar. Aajkal ke youngsters are only interested in partying and enjoying. Unko desh ki padi hi nahi hai. Beta, tum bas shaadi kar lo. Uske baad to you can enjoy life like anything. I will tell you what this country needs. This country needs 15 years of dictatorship. That is the only, the only way to become a superpower. See the Chinese, how much they've progressed. Suno, tumne ye WhatsApp forward dekha? So what's common between all of these statements? They're all absolutely rubbish. Fake WhatsApp forwards that spread like wildfire and statements that defy any logic. They are here to debunk them all. Where your family WhatsApp groups worst nightmare. Where what happens when you read a book? Basically, we are just a bunch of guys who want to cut through the bullshit of everyone saying this, how it won't be true. So that the next time someone confidently squeezes out some WhatsApp or Twitter BS, you will look them dead in the eye and go, "Uncle, 
please sit so join me joel and me tushar every mondays for a fresh new episode of uncle please sit <laughs>